Hi everyone, it is Sunday, March 20th, 2016 here in the Philippines, and this is Tom Kuntz with episode 9 of my Znutcast. Today, the topic is spiritual fuel. Maybe it's because I work for Shell, a global energy company, that this topic is especially meaningful to me. I hope it might be meaningful to you as well. So with that, let's get started. As I mentioned, today I want to speak about fuel. However, I'm not interested in talking about oil, gas, or electricity. Instead, I want to share some thoughts I've had about spiritual fuel. This fuel is not constrained by formations in the earth, technology, or any other natural phenomena. It's limitless in its availability and consistent in its application. You see, the only limiting factor is me. The only limiting factor is us. I remember L. Tom Perry in a conference address in 2008 talking about Henry David Thoreau's experiences on Walden Pond and his conclusions that there are really only four basic requirements to sustain life. Food, shelter, clothing, and fuel. He spoke about each of these and then said he wanted to talk about spiritual fuel instead of fuel that comes from natural resources. He said, quote, The Lord has given us a beautiful plan about how we can return to him, but the completion of our mortal journey requires spiritual fuel." Unquote. In 1995, our youngest daughter, Michaela, was born. Up until then, we had six kids, which meant we could travel safely in our eight-passenger vehicle. But when Michaela was born, we were one seatbelt short. So we sold our Suburban, and we bought a used 15-passenger van just prior to making a planned trip to Idaho to visit with family and show off our new daughter. I don't remember much about that trip until the day we were to arrive back home. As we drove into Fort Worth, I knew I needed to begin looking for a gas station as I was getting low on fuel. I'd remembered on the way up we'd stopped at a nice truck stop in Dallas with clean restrooms and really a nice assortment of snacks. Because I was unfamiliar with the van and the accuracy of the gas gauge, I was sure it was going to be like most vehicles and actually have more gas in the tank than the gauge showed. So I kept going, passing station after station after station. Unfortunately, I was dead wrong. No matter how much I wanted to make it to that chosen station, I simply did not have enough fuel. The result was my family sat in an extremely hot van on the feeder road while I walked to the nearest gas station and bought some gas and brought it back. You see, that's what I remember about our trip. As I have pondered on this experience, I thought about how we as members of the church sometimes do the same thing with our spiritual fuel. R rather than getting up every morning and filling our tanks with spiritual fuel, we see how far we can make it during the day before we run out of gas. I worry that some of us may actually be trying to make it through the entire week with the hope of a refill on Sunday. Different from a steel tank on the bottom side of a van, though, our spiritual gas tanks are more like our stomachs, and they tend to shrink when we go without food for expanded, extended periods of time. Maybe this is why Jacob canceled as he did in Second Nephi chapter 9. He said, Hearken diligently unto me, and remember the words which I have spoken, and come unto the Holy One of Israel, and feast upon that which perisheth not, neither can be corrupted, and let your soul delight in fatness. Wow, isn't that great? See, what we need then are spiritual tanks that are fat rather than skinny little tanks that have shrunken with neglect. 
Let me give you another example. In our subdivision back in Texas, we have a lake where we like to take our small jet boat and either wakeboard or tube with the kids. Because of the drought we had in 2011, we couldn't get the boat in the water after about the middle of June, so it, it really just sat in the barn. When I was preparing to take the boat out for the first time one afternoon in 2012, the battery was completely dead. So I put the charger on it for an hour and tried to get enough juice back into it to get the battery to start it. But an hour wasn't enough and we were run out of time to get on the lake, so I used jumper cables to start it once we got to the lake, thinking that, well, once we're out and running the battery, you know, it would charge and everything would be fine. Well, I was wrong on that one too. First time I had to turn the boat off, it simply refused to start. I'm going to spare you the details of how we dealt with that little problem, but needless to say, we didn't do much boating that day. Now that battery was less than two years old, but because it had sat in the heat of the barn last, that year and hadn't been used for almost 12 months, it completely failed and could no longer take a charge. The sad part is that I had purchased a trickle charger to put on the boat for this very purpose, but because I neglected to attach it, and recharge the battery and it was still good, the battery became more and more valuable as a boat anchor rather than as a boat battery. I want to talk to my sons and my son-in-law for a moment. So Tyson, Weston, Garen, Chase, and Brian, this is for you. And, and for my daughters and daughter-in-laws, I don't want you to stop listening. I mean, the promises of the oath and covenant of the priesthood are available to both men and women when they have been sealed together by priesthood authority in a temple. So let's talk about that for a minute. The promise of the oath and covenant of the priesthood, as recorded in the 84th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, is, quote, He that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my father, and he that receiveth my father receiveth my father's kingdom. Therefore, all that my father hath shall be given unto him, or given unto her. And of this statement, Elder Maxwell simply said, quote, there is no more, unquote. In section 93, we learn that, that it takes time in order to receive the fullness of the priesthood talked about in the Oath and Covenant. Starting in verse 12, it says, And I, John, saw that he received not of the fullness at first, but received grace for grace. And he received not of the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received a fullness. The statements on grace are of special interest to me, and they apply to all of us. I mean, first we learn that the Lord received grace for grace, and then he continued from grace to grace. Receiving grace for grace refers to the greater blessings that come to us each time we hear the voice of the Spirit and then obey that voice, and in so doing, act as the Savior would act to lift a struggling son or daughter of God. A natural result of that is that our capacities increase, and we are then able to move from grace to grace, grace being the strengthening and enabling power of Christ, until we receive a fullness. In a 2006 talk at BYU, Elder Christofferson reiterated that these things take time. He says, these are magnificent promises to be filled with light and truth, to comprehend all things, to be glorified in truth and know all things, and to come even unto the Father. I have no doubt regarding the literal fulfillment of these promises and those who exercise their agency to choose obedience. But along with you, I recognize that they are not realized in a day. Much obedience and experience are required before we enjoy a fullness. Ah, beautiful, isn't it? Thanks, Elder Christofferson. 
The prophet Joseph Smith declared that if a man gets the fullness of the priesthood of God, he has to get it in the same way that Jesus Christ obtained it. And that was by keeping all the commandments and obeying all the ordinances of the house of the Lord. Okay, I want to come back to this concept of spiritual fuel. I worry sometimes that we may forget that we're still on the journey. That instead of accelerating, some of us may be coasting. I mean, there are no sabbaticals or retirement in the kingdom of God. Regardless of what we have done in our lives, there is still more for us to do. And receiving the fullness of the priesthood, that, that should be our goal. To do this, we have to make sure our spiritual tanks are full, that we are spiritually fat. Well, how do we do this? Now, there's nothing new here, but I've coined what I like to call Heaven's Seven. Number one, meaningful daily prayer, both morning and night. I mean, if we could make it a goal to just pray 20 minutes every single day on our knees, I think it would change humanity. Number two, daily scripture study. The kind of daily scripture study that results in new insights and really a greater desire for righteousness. Number three, frequent attendance at the temple, weekly if possible. Since I've started attending the temple every weekly, it has changed my life. Number four, magnifying our church callings and especially that of being a 100% home or visiting teacher. I mean, I, I think this concept of visiting in the home of another, probably one of the hardest things that we do, that when we are good at that, it seems like we're good at so many other things in service, in serving in the kingdom. Number five, listening for the whisperings of the Spirit, and then acting upon the promptings that we receive. In fact, keeping track of those promptings and the result when we act upon them is a great exercise that we should all be engaged in. Number six, building the kingdom of God with our time, our talents, and our resources. That's why we have them. That's why God has given them to us, so that we can help build the kingdom. And lastly, number seven, we need to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, so that we can recognize the need to repent when, it, when we have it, and then the Lord can continue to teach us, because we'll be clean and we'll be a vessel that he can work with. So I hope that we can all evaluate the status of our spiritual tanks. If the needle is not on the full symbol, perhaps we should just stop what we're doing and just take some time and fill it up using one, of, one or more of heaven seven that I just mentioned. And then we need to keep it full. We need to make habits that keep us working on this every single day. You see, this will enable us all to be capable of finishing our journey to receive the fullness of the priesthood and be a blessing to the families in the kingdom of God. I love the Lord. I love the way I feel when I read the scriptures, when I pray, when I attend the temple, when I home teach, when I do family history work. I love the confidence that I have when my spiritual tank is full. Well, that completes another episode of my Zanutcast. Keeping spiritual fuel in our tanks has never been more important than it is today. I mean, with all of the turmoil, the wars, the rumors of wars, the puffed up political rhetoric in the media, we need to be able to discern the still small voice from among all of the noise that's out there. I hope in some small way that today's Nutcast gave you some ideas about how to keep your spiritual tank full. Until next time, keep the faith.